0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Oh, are we starting?
1: No. Well, oh, there's the opening. (laughs) Where am I? I was letting it run for the sound profile so we could filter out the noise after, but Evan's here, everyone.
0: I was, I was working on my uh, my pauses again.
1: You no, know, yeah, you were. My brain is on pause. That's why I wanted to start, so you wouldn't do that stupid pause thing that you do, which you think is a hilarious... And you're trying to do it right now. I can see you trying to do it right now. Welcome no, to That's wing- just the wheel turning. They, yeah, it is. It's is very on it's, theme. It's very
0: slow today, let me tell you.
1: To, that was Evan's thought process this morning. The wheels are turning. Wheels. Wing, flying Winged 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 Wheel Podcast. I have something to do with that. I'm not. I
0: still miss the time today. I thought you said 2.30 and you said 2.15. Yeah. And I, I was taking my time at home, having a shower, having some lunch. And I looked at my phone and you said 2.15 and it was 2.25. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what's funny is I got here and I turned to Brad and Brad was like, so is Evan... Coming today, and I went. Uh, well, we have to start, like we we want to get started by two thirty, so that's why I told Evan two fifteen. So uh, <laughs> to say I know you better than you know yourself wouldn't be uh, entirely inaccurate. Smart. And for anybody
2: who's wondering, it's
1: currently ten to three.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so we're starting on time.
1: Yeah, so um, I don't have kids, but I feel like I'm ready. Because of this. Being (laughs) friends with Evan is, like, preparing... That's why Brad's always so, like, thrilled. Meek is a treat compared to Evan. (laughs)
0: There's certain things that I am diligent and on time for, and it's just, like, the list is full. And I try my damnedest, but for some reason, every time, and I'm like... In 15 minutes, I need to leave... Those 15 minutes all of a sudden get filled up, and it's the time I'm supposed to be there.
2: And those 15 minutes is just – I imagine him laying on his couch with
1: his cat on his chest, and he just,
2: aren't you cute? Yeah. For 15 minutes. Very close. (laughs) For those
1: of you who watch How I Met Your Mother, Evan's a little bit like our Barney Stinson. Sometimes people ask me, like, what does Evan do? And I'm like, ah. I don't know. Evan Evan works in, I want to say, IT Securities, and he's – important and does important work and at the same time he just kind of stumbles through doors and goes uh is this the podcast
0: <laughs> yeah that, yeah yeah the only thing i think i show up on time for is golf i'm always there at least half an hour before of course you are and slow pitch i make it i'm there at least 20 25 minutes before and i'm always on time at work because you were not, that's just how it is
2: you're not you weren't even 25 minutes beforehand in hockey
0: no because uh, <laughs> it's not
2: it's not a softball
0: yeah, slow pitch for some reason is up and down, and my golf game is, you know, golf's hard enough. I need a warm-up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just imagined in slow pitch that the first pitch would be thrown, Evans hitting cleanup. He's not there for the first three batters. And then he walks out of his car with his batting gloves and everything already on, beer in hand, bat in the other hand, doesn't even go to the dugout, just walks straight to the plate for his at-bat.
0: Unfortunately, I'm the manager, so I have to, to herd the cats to the field. So I'm there <laughs> early with all our balls, you know, getting loose. But then I haven't struck out in a long time, thank God.
1: Um, so a funny story for you guys before we get into hockey. Uh, I woke up the other morning... I think it was Friday morning, Saturday morning. Yeah, it keeps happening.
2: Mission accomplished.
1: (laughs) You you, you say mission accomplished, but some days I'm just like, I'd rather not today. (laughs) Anyway, so I've had quite a consecutive streak of doing that. Anyhow, the first thing I see is on my phone a notification. uh, Someone left a comment on uh, our draft uh, draft lottery live stream, and (laughs) and it was (laughs) – his poor soul uh, left a comment like, "Your podcast blows. Stop wasting people's time and get that kid out of there. It's a huge distraction from the show." And I was like, "Oh my god, he thinks that was a podcast episode." Oh no! <laughs> Oops. <laughs> this poor, this poor bastard watched an hour and however long of us react, like just like us watching with our viewers. The draft lottery, which is decidedly ungood content, like it's nothing no, substantial. It's fun in the moment because we're all on the same page.
2: How
0: would you not realize that that's not a podcast? Uh,
1: you know, this I don't know. Some people aren't, aren't winners. You ever
2: paid attention to the news?
0: <laughs> oh no, I haven't watched the news, and it's since for since the I best. moved out from my parents' house. Then
2: this, you have the best outlook on life of. Everybody on the face of this earth don't ever change it. Yeah, yeah. news
0: is trash.
1: It uh, people in the world are uh, are at this guy's level of intelligence.
2: Just well, here's here's the best way it's ever been phrased to me. Think about how dumb the average person is, and then remember that half of the people are dumber than that. And I'm allowed to say that because I'm in the lower half. So. I, was, I was. I told you that on an episode like years back.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was George Carlin say that. Maybe, but who? Whatever, it's ours now.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. it's <laughs> quote, end <Michael> quote, <laughs> dash Ryan Hannah. dash end Brad quotes. Crisco. Yeah, there we go.
1: Yeah. Anyhow, uh, so... So more George Carlin's in there. For that guy, I want to say I hope you find the podcast one day, but I'm... I I hope we meet again. Yeah, I kind of hope you don't. Hold on. Yeah, do we, though? Do we really? (laughs) Can you imagine finding this Red Wings podcast, and it's got, like, a a good fandom, and, you know, people are pointing to it. There's, like, the biggest Red Wings podcast, and you watch the freaking live stream of us just sitting there, like, sweaty meatbags, like, watching the TV and going, like, looking at the laptop and going, oh, yeah. Yeah, haha. No, we got here at four. Uh, no, I would take uh, Zadina with the chance again. and never
2: un- and <laughs> never underestimate how little people will actually pay attention because even on Twitter. Uh...
1: Oh, the Perry thing. I was watching that. R- yeah,
2: Brian time. Brian hey. Benson. Yeah. I, he sent me a hypothetical trade scenario once the rumors got out that Anaheim was going to be moving on from Corey Perry. He's like, Perry's got two years left at eight mil per year, whatever. If Anaheim offered you, uh, I think they have like 29th overall from San Jose this year. If they offered you that pick to take Corey's contract for the next two years, would you do it? And I said, like I basically said, I hate Corey Perry as a fan with every fiber of my being. But I would do that trade in a heartbeat. And people thought I was willing to trade a first round pick for $8.5 million Corey Perry who scored like eight goals last year. No, 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 no. They were ripping me. I'm like, guys, no, I would.
1: I'm has to pay us the first to take Corey Perry. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, I have a friend who's very excitable and sometimes he just doesn't read the words fully and just like yells out a reaction and I'm just like just take a, take a breath read it sound it out and just work on it inside there's
2: no rush remember that one noise I kept making before the one episode when I was really sleepy so it made me hyper and I was just down here like ready to go <laughs> so it's just those guys but all the time <laughs> yeah just, and like uh, first for Corey Perry rrr, no
1: I've always wanted to So I've seen these pop up I've always wanted to get those uh, animations for podcasts like Steve Dangles had a few of them I think his name is Evan Huber who does a lot of them on Twitter and I've always wanted to like capture moments in our shows that would be good to animate because i can only imagine how ridiculous they would be and i think animating evan would be fun because you wouldn't know if he's there on any given episode so you'd have him like fade in and out of the frame
0: (laughs) Well, sorry i just got back
1: yeah he's he's like casper from the movie he's just you like see the
2: outline kind of ish Mm -hmm. but not really
1: and you're like was that a is that a smudge on the screen or oh it's got a sharp jawline uh evan you got back from europe uh, yes. We didn't actually tell people you were in Europe, so they probably just thought you were absent for no reason.
0: Yeah, Yeah. not much golf over there. In Amsterdam, you actually need a license to golf.
1: Because... Oh, because you can't be as bad as you are and just golf.
0: Yeah, they just don't let the hacks out. You
1: need a license to golf? What?
0: Because I think they only have a certain number of golf courses, and there's a ton of people, so you have to like prove you aren't a duster. Which today, I would not have passed.
1: Uh, you didn't go to Scotland, though, where you pretty much...
0: You need, I think at the old course at St. Andrews, you need to prove you have a 15 handicap, which is basically 15 over par.
1: Oh, I can do 15 over
3: par Yeah, a it's hole. not
1: like... Like, we're talking mini golf, right? On the front nine. <laughs> <laughs> on the front nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
2: man, Evan, don't give us that much credit. Um, I don't think Yeah, no did. golfing. <laughs> I think I've, I've, I've definitely had rounds in the last five years that have went over 15 over on the front nine.
0: That's not good. <laughs>
1: no, it was not. I, was I think old. I shot, what was it I shot the, like, I shot like an 82 on the front nine one time
0: yeah that's definitely not good yeah certainly not
1: my
2: to be fair my best round ever was like in the low 90s but it was rel it was based on the course i was playing so i've shot under 90 many times before but i actually played Glen abbey at tour length
0: oh my god it's even i'd shoot 100
2: i pl- like i was hitting the ball well my control was fantastic i i was on my game that day and i shot a 92
0: That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah.
1: Let's talk hockey. Uh, The Stanley Cup Finals, we recorded, I believe, before Game 5, right? Was it? I don't know. Which uh, St. Louis ended up winning, um, which is exciting for them, but they did it in a pretty controversial way. There was, um, you know, calls here and there that both teams will complain about, but the big one was a... Very aggressive trip slash also slew foot um, by, it was Tyler Bozak yep. on uh, a Boston play, on Achiari, Achiari? Noel Achari. No, no- Achari? Noel? N- oh, his first name's Noel. Achari. Noel Achari. Achari. I was just asking for the last name, man. Of- He's got his, he got his Achari. Birth,
0: birth date as well. Oh my god. Zen-
1: Noel not Zidano Achari uh and so he tripped him and there was no call for some unknown reason and then everyone kind of just like stopped and the puck like squirted out to the blue line and then the st louis uh players were just like all right and they brought it in and scored and that ended up being the game-winning goal and then, well uh, yep was that yes. the second goal that was yeah. the second goal yeah, yeah.
2: i made it two nothing boston scored i think five minutes later
0: the Boston fans were up in arms. They started fighting each other.
2: Oh yeah! <laughs> Wait, one. Boston fans getting in a fight in the stands? Evan, not with
0: possible. each other,
1: not possible. Hey, that Evan. little guy almost got the leg lock. Uh, hey, he almost—he was triangle. going for a triangle. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Was that
0: the one where the guy was in the camo? The bald yeah. Yeah, yeah. camo jersey. The
2: bald guy with the camo jersey start engaging in a fight. Uh, not to stereotype, but well, he got a beer thrown at him.
0: I'd probably throw. We him don't know what happened if too. he
2: initiated and that was the
1: response. I'm just saying. I'm just saying he was involved. That if was, you're going to go for a triangle choke, don't slippery up your opponent first with a beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine. You, yeah, triangles work in the first round, not the third. No, you could have had the upset of the century from a lower level of seats and having like a 75-pound disadvantage and hitting that triangle choke. And then said he threw a beer all over him. I want to I shoot that cameraman for missing the main purpose of it. Because the underrated part of
2: that fight wasn't bald guy fighting young uh, frat boy. It was the, their two buddies. Because you can see them when he pans back. The one dude's running up the stairs to take a swing at him. But for him to be that far down the stairs means when the camera turned away, he got thrown down the stairs. Yeah. So he ended up at that point. That guy and we missed bombs from the lower steps, too. If I got thrown down 15 stairs, yes, I'm coming up <laughs> throwing bombs.
1: Anyways, uh, so the game, uh, Boston fans ended up littering. Not only the stands were filled with this, but they ended up littering the ice with garbage. Um You know what? I'd be mad too. In a Stanley Cup finals game, maybe one that could be decisive in terms of who wins the actual literal Stanley Cup. That's bad. Look, we've argued this to kingdom come. The refereeing in these playoffs has been egregiously bad. You could say, yeah, overarchingly, they're always going to miss calls. That's fine. But this is how many? Five, six, seven Huge substantial calls that have decided potentially entire series.
0: I don't think Wes McCauley can ref every single game. Next I don't
2: year. think he's refing, is he? He, was, he got injured in the conference I, he, finals. I, I, I meant
0: next year. No, um, no, yeah. I mean, nobody left.
2: <laughs> yeah, because, and keep in mind, this is the Cup finals. This is supposed to be the best of the best. Every round, refs get chopped and the top performing, performing guys keep moving on. So if this is your best, this is horrible. It's not now, a great look. Now, here's what this is a symptom of. And this is the ultimate problem with that specific call. The stuff like the hand pass, that was just missed. They just, three blind mice, they just missed it. That's also awful, but more forgivable. The five-minute major in the first round, that's a whole nother thing. But what this one is a symptom of is in these playoffs, everybody knows it and it's been a problem. The refs have been calling nothing. Nothing is a penalty unless it's blatant. They've been trying to even it up. So now they don't want to end up with six team, one team having six power plays, one team having two. So they're calling the bare ass minimum of the rule book. So in this game, they weren't calling anything. And then there was a trip and they're like, well, shit, we didn't call the last one on Boston. Congratulations,
0: so. you played yourself.
2: Yeah. So it led up to this. So the referee second guesses himself in the moment, as blatant as it was, hesitates, the play moves on, and here we are. This is why I want Game 7 of the Cup Finals called the exact same way as Game 1 of the regular season. Really, Thank it's you.
0: Elon Musk's fault because we don't have robot referees. Oh, on, Elon, Elon, what
1: are you doing? Come on, man. Machine Elon-
0: learning would, would improve on
1: this. Elon, you're not allowed on this podcast until you do this. Yeah. Until you fix referees. you been asking
0: it. every day of every week. But we're going to have
1: to wait. Twitter, for all of our listeners, you know, tweet at Elon and say, you can come on the Winged Wheel podcast once you find an AI solution for refereeing in the NHL. There you go. Um, The the thing that that really, really, really irks me is the whole, well, if you want them to call it by the rule book, you're going to get a whole lot of penalties. I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. Okay. No, no. I understand that the actual literal rulebook and what's practically called when you're calling the rulebook are two different things. So don't straw man. Don't get into like pedantics uh, about, you know, how to th- actually literally call the game. What Brad just said is exactly it. Call it as if this is the first game back from a lockout where we just talked about the entire rulebook and made all the changes that we need to to better the game and never move away from that standard never they, we shouldn't see a slow decline in hooking and holding and penalty calls as uh, drastically as we've seen since the the two lockouts. It has
0: definitely declined when you think back to and, how it was before. They you put your hand or a stick anywhere across somebody's body, you are getting a penalty immediately.
1: And, and it's it, I get that some of it it was like overcalled and some of it's players adapting, but it shouldn't be like, there's, some, there's times where clutch and grab comes back. And in the playoffs, like, clutch and grab, like, charges, hits to the head. Oh, that's another thing. Barbashev got suspension for a hit to the head. Has this also been a pretty rough playoffs in terms of... Oh, sus- Boston. Suspendable. Boston.
2: St. Louis is the first team to ever have two players suspended in the cup final? Mm.
1: Not good for Bitcoin. That. I don't Stop. It. <laughs> I'll make it happen. the It's just been this mess. And... There's so many valid arguments to have. Like, what uh, do we do in terms of reviews? What do we terms and t- uh, do in terms of like the standards for suspensions, this and that. But there's two things that need to happen. One, the, I don't know what's happened with the refs, but we need, they need to get some better sleep before the game's really making these calls. And this isn't all refs. Some refs have done a fantastic job, and I hate making them a the story. But more importantly. They have to call the game as it's called for 82 games prior to the playoffs. Plain and simple. It's not fair to the players. It's not fair to the fans. It's not fair to it's it's unjust to the
2: sport of hockey. Because what happens is when we get a lot of situations like this, we get announcements from the NHL like we had this week where they're going to expand video review next year. So congratulations. Hope
1: you like a four hour hockey game. Oh yeah, that's enough out of both of you. It's. I good.
0: hope you like
2: looking at 360p cameras to see if a piece of metal was a quarter inch off the ice, Ryan.
1: I don't know. I don't know if I've yelled at you guys about this before, but maybe make them better than 360p. No, it doesn't sound
0: familiar.
2: Doesn't no. sound
1: familiar, right? No, I was—that
2: I, was just a complete random example off
1: the top. Of my off the of, yeah, yeah. Couldn't draw back to that. We definitely didn't clip it and post it as like a, one of the, our Instagram samples of an episode. I don't know. No, think. absolutely not. Some better, some better cameras might uh, help substantially, one would say. Anyhow, uh, St. Really? Louis tonight has a chance to um, close out.
0: Are they at home or on the road. They're, They're at home. home. Ooh.
1: They have a chance to win the cup for the first time in their franchise history at home.
0: Oh man, if Boston loses a game seven at home, I hope they burn it down, just like <laughs> just as tradition against Vancouver.
1: You know what? I don't. I, I people rip on Boston, but f- I think they have two things in their advantage. One, they're always angry, and so I don't think this will push them that much further down the the, the rabbit hole. They'll but, probably handle it better than most fan bases because they just live at peak. Yeah, right. They were born right? in it. <laughs> we need Stephen here, Steve, um, but. Also, they've had, like, what, 100 championships in the last 36 months or something yeah. like that? So
0: All the more reason to burn your city down. Yeah,
1: I think they'll be fine. But the series isn't over. I still think Boston's a more skilled team. St. Louis will have, I believe they'll have Thomas back tonight, or there's a good chance yeah, they'll have Thomas back tonight. it looks like tonight. he's back. Um, so, you know, by the time you're listening to this, the cup may have been handed out. Tim Thomas, we right?
0: See. Well, that'd Yeah, something yes. like that. He's coming back out of retirement. Now that he's- I don't. Favorite person is in the office.
1: I don't. Oh, oh, boy, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, beep, 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 beep. Oh, that's uh, That's my. Uh, shut the hell up, Evan.
0: Censor going off. So. <laughs> oh, I forgot where we
1: lie. At yeah. No, we don't do. Uh, what we do with pod politics is l- nothing. Literally nothing. Right. Yeah. Oh, you you missed the episode, our Patreon
2: exclusive episode, where uh, I. It was right after the Mueller report came out, and I had an opening that just like sent Ryan into a spasm.
1: Yeah, I'm no. sure that went well. No, I. <laughs> Did you see what Marissa tweeted, uh, and it was the community thing, uh, no. where Shirley was like, this is Ryan when he's trying to keep Brad and Evan in line in an attempt to keep the podcast professional, and it's just Shirley with her like fingers like rubbing her head, and the, the caption is, like, fart noises to a dubstep remix being played over the PA. That's what it's like with you guys. <laughs> Sounds about right.
0: Sometimes, yeah. No, yeah.
1: Uh, all the time. Well, sometimes, when you're here.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Anyways, back to the p- potential historic weekend, because... Has it ever happened that on back to back days, two pre- major sports franchises win their first championship?
1: Because it, like, it could happen. These are two Cinderella stories taking down. Da- like, I, I mean, the, David- hot,
2: the hottest the team in the NHL since July second versus the second overall team in January the NBA. 2nd? I wouldn't. Yeah, January second. I wouldn't say Cinderella.
1: This guy and his dates being messed up. Like July classic. second. What day is <laughs> July second? <laughs> you actually confused Evan there for a second. I was like, wait a second. He's like, hold on. I'm supposed to be at a cottage right what now. Th-
0: yeah. Yes, that would be true. <laughs> but oh, yeah,
2: because the Blues could win their first in 67, and the Raptors could win their first since
1: when did they come in the league? 95. Did you see uh, the meme? Well, I can't remember what movie it's from, but it was Denzel talking to a. I can't, I, the name of the movie is escaping me, but it's Denzel talking to a basketball player, saying, "It's not so fun now, huh? You thought it was fun before, but it's not so fun now." And they captioned it, "LeBron James talking to Steph Curry about having to carry a team in the finals against a behemoth." <laughs> you thought it was funny before, but it's not fun now, is it? <laughs> it's just like Kawhi laying them out. <laughs> we gotta be careful. Not too much basketball. Don't do too much basketball. Oh, are people not like the basketball. Oh boy, yeah, they don't uh, like it. You mentioned a little bit of something irrelevant on Twitter, and they're just like unfollow and kill your family like cut your brakes as well. I think people pulled from your pension. I think people just don't like you. For,
0: that's pretty tame yeah. for Twitter.
1: Yeah, it's actually not too bad. Yeah, I
2: just I'd think...
0: say thank you after.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, they... I just think people don't
2: like you because I don't get that re- those reactions when I tweet about non-hockey stuff. Is it because of my face? Is it because
1: of the way that I look? Well,
0: uh, I'm not going there. Yeah.
1: It's
2: not Listen,
1: Ryan, we don't do political. And I was talking about my physical appearance, you Neanderthal. Yeah,
2: I mean, Ryan, that's a slippery slope. That's Definitely that, it, Ryan. That's I'm not gonna lie, Ryan. That's pretty insensitive to bring up
1: here. Yeah. You guys are honestly the most garbage, <laughs> worthless, uncultured. Sometimes people say to me, oh, you, you got so lucky that you found two guys who are like this knowledgeable about hockey and like want to do the pot. No, I did not get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> this is barely scraping by. This is an open call. It's a please. Help. Anyone else come? If you can be here, I promise you, we will kill the uh, the existing hosts and start anew. I really hope Corey doesn't listen to the
2: rest of, of this episode. Oh my
1: goodness! Oh yeah, we have a uh, we have a very brief interview with uh, Corey Pronman of the Athletic coming today um, at the end, towards the end of the episode because it hasn't been recorded yet. Yeah, so he's. Um, Very, very, very busy guy who's taken graciously taken time out of his day to chat with us a little bit. This
2: literally has to be his busiest month of the year, I would assume. You could
0: also be speaking about me.
1: No, (laughs) you're welcome. You'll you'll, you're probably have as much cumulative airtime over the past two months as Corey will today on his interview.
0: Yes, that is. Complete fact. Should we just start calling him
1: Max? (laughs) Maybe. Just so it keeps (laughs) some continuity for people. Yeah,
0: continuity circumstances.
2: Max
1: was like. Uh, a lot of people make like uh, hate on Evan on Twitter, and they make jokes about like replacing Evan with me. He's like, I don't want. Like, he's like, I feel bad. It's like, oh, Evan gets it. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> oh, fine. <yeah>. This <laughs> is the Evan. Uh, the Evan barely being here has been a running joke with this podcast since it's like early, early, early days. There was a few months in the beginning where like I missed like a streak of episodes, like five or six over a few months. At and the pe- start,
0: we had real good Iron Man streaks going.
1: Yeah, and then you just decided to. You lapsed. We should I decided get t- I like
0: golf a lot, and I've missed one episode total.
2: No, you missed a couple. I missed one because I was at a country. Because I remember. listening. I
0: list- think we've record. We recorded one at my house, and then yeah, we recorded one here without you here.
2: Oh, okay, so two. Because I remember I listening to the the episode I missed on the flight back from the trip. My chance. I'll
0: miss two this week.
2: <sighs> this is number one, so I'm
1: confused. <sighs> I don't oh, understand. Well, what it is.
0: I guess. Yeah, I guess next Sunday doesn't count.
1: <laughs> You're not. Uh, yeah. All right. Well,
0: we'll see. You know, one day at a time.
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> <so> what <laughs>
0: are we talking about? I don't know.
1: Let's move um, on. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. We were talking about the finals and then the bad refs and well, the little, Raptors. We're going to talk about the, uh, the rest of the league, so some stuff has been happening. I don't want to dive too much into the playoffs because if this ends tonight, then all yeah. that conversation is garbage.
2: We just talked about the playoffs for 20 minutes without really talking about the playoffs. So there you go, guys. We're uh, Evan
1: has scatterbrained us again. Jeff Skinner uh, just caught an eight-year, $9 million per extension
2: right after a career high in shooting percentage. Do you think Buffalo is going to
1: regret this contract at all?
0: My gut says yes.
1: You know what? It's not the right value for him.
0: That's high. That's real high.
1: It's real high. But I
0: feel like the probability of some other team also doing that is quite high.
1: Like let's let's take Max's philosophy here. You're a team that's been suffering for a long time. Buffalo's arguably been the poster boy for failed rebuilds. Like the complete tear, they tore down completely and just have not even gotten past the first step since then. It's been what, a decade since they've been relevant? They might have the longest playoff drought now that Carolina made it. They are not doing much by way of competition despite having excellent players like, uh, uh, Deline, well, Deline just came on board. Jack, Jack Eichel is the name that was escaping me for a second. Then you yeah, get a guy like uh, Jerry's out on Rist- you know? and Yeah, he's better than he's better than bad, like some worse players, I guess. But He'd be the best defenseman on Detroit. They are trying honestly. to move him, but then you get a guy like Jeff Skinner, who you gave up next to nothing for. Um, you really, really just got him for like absolutely nothing from a team that didn't want to pay him. It's it's. It's so counter to, like, the logic and, you know, hardline, almost analytical point of view that we try to think about when when talking about these cap situations. But as you have to accept that you have to overpay if you want this kind of thing in this it's kind of situation. It's a
0: Buffalo
1: tax. Oh, yeah. I mean, want yeah. to live in Buffalo. Well, the airport Buffalo in Buffalo is- told me that Buffalo is rated the best city in the world, so.
0: No bias at all.
1: No. No, no but it, it, people do like Buffalo once they get there. Skinner
2: was just Brad, a also
0: biased. Don't listen to him. No,
2: no, I'm a Bills fan, but when players get there, they generally don't tend to leave. Pommenville came back after being gone for a it's couple of years. Because they take their
0: passports. something in the water? Yeah, it's basically the Soviet Union.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, and, and like Buffalo... But I think Val- Valeri Legasov
1: still hiding out in there somewhere, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Buffalo is very well-liked, and like it's got a... Re- it's probably the best like they constantly have the highest uh TV viewership rating. The, like if you take any NHL playoff game and you remove the two cities that are playing, Buffalo will be the highest uh viewed city. And yeah, sometimes they the they'll even the
0: highest for the playoffs or something. Every yep. year. That's and sometimes
1: easy. they'll even beat out the two cities that are playing. Like it, they are rapid there. Yeah. It's a, it's a really really good sports well, market.
0: And why are their tickets 50 bucks?
1: Well, you got to capitalize on it. So
0: no, Kay, nobody kay, goes they just so it's on TV
1: without getting too economical here uh let's just say Buffalo isn't in New York City correct <laughs> so the you have this this fan base that is rabid and desperate for the team to be relevant again you have a team that's tried everything from a rebuild on the fly to a total teardown to everything in between and it hasn't worked and you have a guy like Jeff Skinner scores 40 goals once um honestly he's a great hockey player some pretty suspect concussion history probably not worth that much money at that much term but if that's what it takes to get it done, it would be worth It's worse to let him walk than to overpay him now and figure it out later, right? So,
2: yeah. Well, the fan base needed it, they and needed I, it. I I hate ever using that as an excuse. Agreed. Yeah. But if the, if that fan base took another kick to the junk where they have a superstar leave, it wouldn't have sat well. But here's the question: from if we take that out of it and we actually look at this from a hockey standpoint, how much of Jeff Skinner's uptick to 40 goals. Now, keep in mind, he's usually consistently a 30-goal scorer. I think someone did the math. Had he shot his career average shooting percentage this year, he still would have had 29. So, it's not like he had a poor year Like and just 40 goals came out of nowhere. So, how much of that shooting percentage, percentage increase is fluke? And how much of it is due to him having better opportunities because he's never played on a line with anyone like Jack Eichel in his career. So is Jeff Skinner a true 29-goal scorer? Is he a true 40-goal scorer, or is he somewhere in the middle?
0: I think he's somewhere in the middle. But yeah, like you said, having your best players walk out the door constantly, i.e. Ottawa, um, it's tough for everybody, and it's tough for the the players who remain on that team.
1: A lot of this also has to do with, like, you think about the proportion of scoring chances that are going to go his way. I mean, he was the main feature in Buffalo on a team that was kind of starved for that kind of talent. You know, Jack Eichel notwithstanding. Um, I'm not too concerned about the whole goal scoring output. I think if he can get up to 35 as at an average for his prime years in that, I think they'll be happy with that. The cap's going to keep rising. Um, it's still not, I think the right value for a player like him, but you t- like what, I, like what I was getting to with Max's philosophy, you can't always have the perfect situation. You can't always be the right timing. It can't always be the right price because there's a tax that comes to it. So there's going to have to be some management on the other end of the, the roster with some of the mid-tier and lower-level guys taking some some hits uh, or, or you know biting their hands a little bit and taking lower contract. But you want to keep guys like Jeff Skinner or in a bigger conversation here, you want to keep guys like Mitch Marner, you have to find a way to make that work with the Got rest of your team. Got
0: to make those ELCs count at the right time. Yes. That's what I was
1: just going to say. Right now, Buffalo is
2: going to be in a position where they can not have bad drafts and they cannot rush or ruin the development of any players because Jeff Skinner at $9 million for the next two to four years is probably fine he's still going to put up his 30 plus goals every year it's the back half of that contract that's very worrisome because eight years is a lot of money for Jeff Skinner
1: Mm
2: -hmm. a lot of years for Jeff Skinner so you're going to have to rely on a good amount of ELCs for the back half of that contract so
1: that starts now
2: Preparing for that.
1: So speaking of Toronto, I think they have a, a pretty good. They're like the the epitome of this entire situation that's unfolding in the NHL, which is um, offloading big Con contra- the potential to offload big contracts, uh, you know, sweetened with a, a good asset or a high pick in order to clear up the cap. So Toronto mm-hmm. is, is trying to move Marlow and Zaitsev, who people keep trying to bend over backwards to justify as a solid top four defenseman, which. You know, I'm not trying to knock Zaitsev, but I, I think he's decidedly not. Um, it's it's very reminiscent of people trying to will Jonathan Erickson into being a top four defenseman, which we saw for years and years. Um, and then you have, you know, Corey Perry, Dion Phaneuf. Somehow, Lou Cheech has interest from another team, which at this point, I don't understand why Vancouver doesn't forcefully remove Jim Betting from office. But it would be unloading Louie Erickson's contract. But um... for a worse one.
2: I, I know. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's not like they're actually going to give up uh, a valuable asset. No, yeah, but then you logic. take
1: – Yeah, I don't understand. You're
2: replacing uh, uh, a bad contract and an all right player with a worse player and an even worse contract. It's
0: <laughs> Edmonton should pay the price for signing that or- – Offering that contract. Listen, well, if
2: teams start paying the price for contracts they signed, we're not going to have a lot of optimism <laughs>
0: here as Red Wings yeah, fans, no okay? Kidding. No kidding.
1: Um, and, and people are constantly suggesting this, this, that, that for the Red Wings. Like, would you take this player for this many years? First of all, no. The Lucic deal, no. You would never take on that contract. Would not in even, a million years. I would not entertain the idea of bringing on a bad contract north of two years at this point. Um, but players like Corey Perry, Corey Perry Patrick Marlowe, not Nikita Zaitsev um, – Sweetened with a good pick or a good asset, like we said on previous episodes. Yep. yep. 100%. Eisenman um, had an interview with NHL.com, and he there's a few uh, sticking points in there, but one of the biggest ones was he came out and said, I don't plan on building this team through free agency. You can almost never build, like truly build the solid core of a team through free agency. And what he was saying wasn't that you can't make a contender through some big pieces in free agency, but you need to like that needs to be the snow cap on what is already a mountain, right? It can't has got
0: to be. be the cherry on top kind of thing. Exactly. Like that, you,
1: like say what San Jose did with Carlson in that trade or um you know like what's a, what's another marquee free agency signing that that brought a team Oh, <laughs> oh that's a bad example. We can't think of anything. Ah, uh, <laughs> there's not many. So You think about what happened... Well, Toronto... Did Washington do anything last year? Did John Tavares get Toronto out of the first round? No, No. but you have to think that that is now... He got got the Islanders out of the first round, though. That is now a (laughs) (laughs) team... Oh, that is... That is the quality we have been missing on this show. But no, in all honesty, John Tavares has made Toronto a... You know, in everyone's head, at least on paper, a perennial contender. Or one of the names in the conversation. But... They had an entire core there, and what Eisenman is saying is, we have a small core. We have the Larkins, we have the Bertuzzi's, we have the Manthas, we have the Ronix, um, we have those guys. But you, we need to build that out, and we, you need to build that out through, like non, asset deficit driven yep.
2: team building. And and reminder to Red Wings fans: all as great as the pl- all the players Ryan just named out are, that is not a championship core. No. No, and that—that's exactly it. Like you
0: those need guys, a bona fide superstar coming through the pipe to to think about that.
1: Which Detroit probably doesn't have right now. Correct. You, I would, I would wager that Detroit needs two to three star to superstar players, and six overall this
2: year is going to give them one hell of a chance at one. Yes, and I not spent, a perfect chance, but a great chance. And I spent 15 minutes watching Joe Valeno highlights the other day, and boy, optimism's at an
1: all-time high there. But he's not going to be a superstar. So you you have to consider why Eisman is preaching patience. He's not preaching patience as in like just wait till July 1st. He's preaching patience as in like it's going to be a few years before we even have this conversation again. So, yes, if Perry or Marlowe come over with a first or a second round pick or a great prospect, yeah, yep, <laughs> 100%. And th- th- what you want to do is ideally get a player who can
2: at least contribute something of value in their time there. Corey Perry. Pretty skilled guy. Been around the block a few times. Probably has a few tidbits of knowledge for the young guys, even though he can't really play anymore. Same with Patrick Marlowe. Same with Ryan Callahan. It's more valuable to get the guys like that who have been there, done that, than to tack on some bad contract. Not that Detroit would take a five-year contract, but a Nikita Zaitsev who
1: functionally would have nothing to offer Detroit Very for the next couple of years. move. Yeah. Uh, the Nikita Zaitsev thing is like, I, I kind of don't want to touch that one You know, when I get on Twitter, I don't wanna like touch that one with a ten foot pole because it's there seems to be a rabid defense of him. And it's not it's one of those situations where it's not a knock on him and like he's come out and said, like, whoever all these analysts are who are like shit talking me aren't worth their weight and whatever. And that's fine, like he should be defending himself, but at the same time, he was being used in a top four role, which he decidedly can't do. If you're putting out Nikita Zaitsev, like thirteen to fifteen minutes a night, Yeah, he can be a really effective defender for you in those minutes. But you don't pay four and a half million dollars for five more years for thirteen minutes. And not only that, he was—they were exposing him to like twenty plus minutes a night, which you don't do, which is reminiscent of, you know, every red again
0: your coach again?
1: Uh, It's a guy we used to know on a team that used to do the exact same thing. He's somebody that I used to know. Yeah. So, Red Wings fans, Mike Babcock did this with Jonathan Erickson and and other declining players for years and years. And we're still seeing a little bit of it in Detroit. But at this point, there's no one else to play. So, one more thing about.
0: You have two legs and a pair of skates. Come on out. You get 15 minimum.
1: Right? It's not. It's kind of. uh, Wait, hold on. How old are you? You
0: just have to be over the
1: age of 18.
2: I was going to say that. 25. Sounds like 24, 25 yeah. is the minimum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you must be this old to ride.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I can't remember what I was getting at. Yes, bad oh, contracts, good, Cronwell. give us assets. Cronwell is another thing that Eisman said. He's, he mentioned that they haven't visited the conversation, and he spoke very highly of him, and he said he played good hockey last season, and um, that the team would be like like happy to move on with him, and, or happy to move on, like they could move on without him, and it was a decision that he had to make. And so... I don't read too much into it or tie too much of Eisenman's decision-making into anything besides his actual decisions. Um, I think he plays it pretty close to the chest, and when you're pulling teeth in an interview, he's going to just play it as neutral as he can. But from what I gathered from that, it seemed a little bit like he would bring Cronwell back if Cronwell expressed the keen interest in doing so. That has to be something that I still honestly disagree with. I'm going to repeat the same thing I repeated
2: Two months ago. If we bring Cronwell back, but also still find regular minutes for Chalosky and Horonic, I'm fine with it. If Cronwell is stepping in the way of one of them, then yes, it's a very poor move. Chalosky and Horonic have nothing left to prove in Grand Rapids. They need to learn at NHL speed, NHL pace. Now, we know there's certain guys who are going to be in Detroit, no matter what, in the top six this year. Uh, green and DeKaiser most notably. Then you have Madison Bowie who probably should be in that top six. So it comes down to how married to Trevor Daly and Jonathan Erickson is Steve Eisenman. If the answer is not at all, he's going to jettison them both before September. Great. No issues here. If he's going to hold on to both of them, then yes, this is going to cause a problem. It's that simple and there's too many variables to give a a, a decent answer on right now. Honestly,
1: that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I'm going to move us along to our uh, prospect um, spotlights. We're going to talk about a few more guys or a couple more guys from uh, Max's article. Uh, And Max will be on here to to chat a little bit more about what he dug up. one that really popped out to me was uh, another US NTDP, NTDP defenseman, um, not Cam York, but this time Alex Vlasic, um, who is a behemoth at six foot six, who is also a phenomenal skater, so has completely yes. broken physics on that one.
2: Do not get triggered, Red Wings fans, when we say big defenseman, because it's not a negative in this
1: case. Yeah, he's not, uh, it's not something to be scared about, and... If you can be that big and move fast, you get a whole lot of forgiveness in a lot of other ways for me as a, as a fan.
2: Yeah, and it's not that he has poor offensive instincts. Um, he's a good passer of the puck. He, he's acceptable in the offensive zone. Uh, that's meant to sound more as a compliment than it does. Um, his best case scenario based on his parameters would be Colton Pareco. That's a good no. best game. Oh. Colton oh. Pareko was a fourth-round pick. Nobody thought much of him in his draft year either. Let's remember that. So I'm not saying Alex Velasic will be as good as Colton Pareko, but he could vol- follow a very similar trajectory where, yeah, all the tools are there, and it took a little while for them to all fully come together, and now we have a top two, top four defenseman on a team that might win a Stanley Cup in a few hours. Or... The skating's all he's got. Nothing else really comes to fruition at the NHL level. And then we have a better skating Jonathan Erickson. It's it's Uh-oh. tough to say. I don't foresee Velasik going down that route. That's his literal worst case scenario. Um, but it's it's the type. Again, I always talk about this in later rounds. And I know I preach it to this. It's the type of gamble you want to take outside of the first round. Because you're betting on traits.
1: The, uh, the things that scare, um, people away from moving Vlasic higher up on their list. So he's projected anywhere from late first round to mid second round. Is that sometimes uh he's a little bit inconsistent in his game and though he shows um his skill sets quite often you there's quite a few clips of him, you know, making a poor decision when he's put under pressure. Um, oh, he'll fit in well. Yeah. Prodman uh actually noted the fact that his though he's a good skater, his spacing isn't always there, which is incredibly as I've mentioned before is incredibly important for a defenseman, but that's a lot of coachable things. And yeah, in my mind, if you're a good skater, that means the spacing can be taught. If you're a terrible skater and you have bad spacing, that means yeah, there's a lot. Those a lot of uh, gaps that might maybe can't be bridged there. But if you got the toolkit, they just need to teach you how to build it, right? Just hone it out. So there's. It's not like this guy's going to be a game-breaking first pairing talent, or at least unlikely to be one. But for it to be that big, that fast. To show offensive creativity, to be a solid defender overall and maybe just have some gaps in terms of how you perform when there's some nerves or um, when the situation isn't exactly as planned, that's all about those first 100-200 games as a defenseman and could go really well for him. So, yeah, Vlasic's actually a really interesting uh, defenseman. I think we both had him rated pretty highly, Brad. Yeah, I had him rated ahead of Detroit's second-round pick. So, that yeah, would I had be him at in- 29. That would be a bonus to me if he falls to 35 because I'm not expecting it. Yeah, uh, And then right-handed defenseman Lassie Thompson out of Kelowna. That's a, a fun WHO. name. Yeah. Lassie. Uh, I don't have as much of a read on Lassie Thompson. I think I didn't have him rated in my top 31. Um, not someone I can speak entirely confident on. This is I'm just reading other people's like analysis at this point. Offensive defenseman with good instincts. Shoots right. It's a benefit.
2: Uh, the one disadvantage against him is he is a late birthday. So he's a 2000 born. So he is playing, even though he's technically considered a rookie in the WHL this year, he is a year older than most of the other rookies, which is relevant.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so that is worth noting when projecting him. Um, cause he is a little bit ahead of everybody else. Sorry, not considered a rookie in the WHL, but he's a year older than everybody, every, most of the other draft eligible players in the WHL. He's the type of guy you bet on his mind. He, he thinks the game well. He moves the puck well. He's got good offensive instincts. There's nothing spectacular that I've seen skill set-wise out of him. But then again, it's not like he's a poor skater, poor handler of the puck, poor shot. They're, it's all good to great. Yeah. But
1: it's putting it all together and how he uses it is going to be the big question with him <laughs> at the next level. Yeah, he's going back to play with, or he's going back to play in Finland next season, which is probably better for his development. Um, you notes that um, he's not bad defensively, but his effectiveness comes more when he has the puck than when he doesn't, which isn't bad. I mean, if you want a guy on your power player to move the the pace forward, and you pair him with someone a little bit more defensively minded, uh, that can work really well for you. You know, I envision this guy playing with someone who we imagine Danny DeKaiser to, to actually turn out to be, and that's a pretty solid pairing. Our ideal vision of Danny DeKaiser is such a good, like, centerpiece in all these hypothetical scenarios, even though he's not actually around. Like, Danny DeKaiser was supposed to be such a fundamentally sound defenseman who just did all the little things right and covered for other people's flaws. Danny DeKaiser was supposed to be almost Mark Edward Vlasic. <laughs> yeah.
2: And here we are. Hey, he had a, he had a good year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop dumping on Danny. He had a better year. He had a better year.
1: is still never be what he was projected to be. God, no. But he was also a free asset, so can we really complain that much? No. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings player profile. This is a fun one. Oh, this is going to be a divisive one. For some reason. Philip Zedina. We're keeping on with our wingers. Uh, and Philip Zedina is this episode's player profile. We obviously only saw nine games of Philip Zedina this year. So let's talk about those nine games first and then talk about his time in Grand Rapids. Um, didn't have a, a big point output, but at the same time, played a lot of time with um, Franz Nielsen and uh, Thomas Vanek, which I believe a couple times they came out with their skate guards on. And at another time, they were actually not even on the ice, but just kind of like gesturing from the bench. Like he was skating circles around them. It was the two worst line mates he could have had. And he still looked great. He looked good. Um, he was fast, dynamic. He was trying to
2: make plays happen. My criticism in his nine-game stint was he was trying to make too much happen. Sometimes the right play is to slow up and let the play develop in front of you, and that was very much not in his mind at any point. It was, get the puck, go hard down the wing, find a way to get that puck to the net as quickly as possible, and if he couldn't get the net to the puck as quickly as possible, find the next closest player who is going to get the net to the puck very quickly. Um, so, not that I want him to slow his game down because it's a good asset to play with that much pace, He's got to pick his spots better because there was times he would come down. He would make a great move at a great pace and then immediately fire the puck into a defender's boots. There was a better play available, even if the better play was just to stop and softly dump it into the corner for the other winger to go in and get it and retrieve it. Not that that's the right play most of the time, but every once in a while it is and you have to read that. I think that just came with... I think the biggest reason that was his flaw at that time was because he knew he only had nine games That's to impress. That's exactly it. He was trying to do everything he
1: could in that time to make an impression. Yeah. And you know what? You pair it, You paired that situation with the fact that he was playing with the line mates that he did. This is a guy who had to wait all season long to get his nine game stint, even though we we knew it was going to happen from the start, and so did he because of the whole sliding of ZLC so he didn't have to be exposed to Seattle. Of course he's going to do that. He's eager to score goals. He's a very big personality. He's a guy who wants to prove that the Red Wings did the right thing by taking him when uh, like two other teams or three other teams passed on him when they arguably shouldn't have based on what your opinion is of the draft. I still have a lot of faith in him. I don't – it's not that I've come down on him. I've, I'm reserving my judgment. I can definitely see a way where you're like, yeah, this is a guy who we projected to be a perennial 40-goal scorer, maybe more, and now maybe he's more in the 30-goal range. But I think that that's just so much conjecture based on so little knowledge. That, like He went up and down in the AHL. I'm like, yeah, the AHL is still professional men's hockey. Spacing and, and size and physicality is all important there, and those are things that he had to adapt to. The point of this season was for him to develop, not for him to torch the AHL and say, well, he shouldn't have been in the AHL. Otherwise, he would have been in the show.
2: And we also have to remember who Philip Zadina is as a player. And one of the main reasons he struggled at both levels this year and one of the main reasons why I'm going to predict he's going to struggle in Detroit next year as well is I always feel like it's a knock against someone when you say they need to play with good players. But it's not meant to be a knock in Zadina's case. He needs guys who can get him the puck at the right time. There's nobody in Detroit that can do that right now. No. Save for maybe Dylan Larkin, but odds are Zadina will not see much time with Dylan Larkin this year. Yeah. So Zadina, even when he knows, like he's good at finding the soft spots on the ice to get that time and space to get a shot off, that puck won't be coming to him nearly as often as it should. No. Which is going to be a big problem for him this year. He admittedly probably should have done more on the power play than he did. He did get his one goal on the power play. Um, you could tell he even whiffed on some one-timers you could just see the nerves were there like he's
1: clutching a stick
2: he just flat out missed the puck which is not something I ever seen him do in junior
3: I hope
2: Philip Zadina, if he assuming he spends the full season in Detroit next year I hope he scores 20 plus goals I'm not expecting it what's going on upstairs Uh, it sounds like there's company over and I haven't been able to pick out whose voice it is Oh, that's all
0: he's. Yeah, that's that's all he's there.
2: But so, yeah, so Red Wings fans need to understand this going into the season. If you're sitting here going, Phil Zadina's going to score 30 goals, win rookie of the year. It's going to be amazing. Cool. My question is, much like Patrick Laine in Winnipeg, who's a shooter, who the hell is getting him the puck? Because Patrick Laine had Blake Wheeler getting him the puck. Uh, Detroit doesn't have a Blake Wheeler. Sorry to break it to everybody. Trevor Zegers in a couple of years would be a great answer. That would be the perfect compliment to Philip Zedina in a few years because Zegers might be one or two years away from Detroit full-time. Zedina might even be another year away still. it's He's not – it's not his fault. But Philip Zadina for his development is not in a good situation right now. Hey, let's just
1: uh, – let's roll down a little bit too far in a hypothetical. Let's get in, a weed, in the weeds here. Let's say you have a really high-end playmaking center um, who you want to bring into the league a little bit quicker than you typically would. What a great – what better way to accelerate his development than to put him with a really high-end scoring winger who is also looking to uh, f- cement his spot in the league a little sooner than you would anticipate. I'm are, just saying. Are you implying
2: – that Jeff Blashill might put two players 20 years old or younger on the same line in the National Hockey League and give them <laughs> more than five minutes of uh, night. Ryan. No, I wouldn't dare. I would yeah. not dare. And um, for anybody who didn't figure out in which way Ryan was being facetious, he was referring to Joe Valeno. <laughs> yes. Who, I love Joe. I hope he comes into camp and has a huge year. Right now, I kind of hope he starts in Grand Rapids. Oh,
1: I'm, uh, you know, I said yes to that, but then I realized that's not who I was talking about. I was saying if Detroit draft Zegris and two oh, years he's... down the line, they want to bring him in. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking yeah. about Valeno. Hey, it's
2: not optimism. It's not bad. I can
1: do it too, Brad. Valeno I... and maybe Zegris. Ooh. And if one's not working out, you swap them out for the
0: other. I'll be the real testament to how the team's doing when we have some optimism and positive
1: <laughs> things to say on a routine basis. We've Did, been getting better. Does Evan show up more when we're happy? Yeah,
2: yeah, there's no relationship.
1: (laughs) No, I was going to say, there's been no predictability. Even uh, Evan has become less – the information delivered in his messaging has been less direct. I said, all right, guys, uh, 2.15 tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And Evan's like – Evan's message was, quote, "Uh, it's like you knew I had a tea time. And one would read that as, oh, so the tea time is at 2.15. And I just was like, what am I supposed to do? When are you not golfing? And I then not, like four hours later, he was like, Oh no, haha, I'm golfing in the morning. I'm like, that wasn't clear from your message, was it? Yeah, I'm not an
0: afternoon golfer. It's too hot out there. People already beat the hell out of the course. Not, I'm a 8.30, 9.00, time guy. <laughs> if
2: you so, ask me to get up before 8 a.m. on a Sunday, unless I absolutely have to, I'm going to hit you in the head with a golf club. It's quite nice
0: out there, you know? There's, I do
2: like the golf it's course. quiet. Online. 9 uh, a.m. is a sweet spot. Oh yeah.
0: All you can hear is me yelling, <laughs>
2: ferk
1: ferk evan ferk yeah, that's right for <laughs> yeah. uh, you
0: just hear my club whistling through the air it <laughs> right into a pond
1: um and with that we are actually going to take a break now well not or we're going to take a break and then we're going to cut to our interview uh with uh cory pronman a uh, very brief interview we're happy to have him on and uh enjoy welcome to the wing wheel podcast we are very excited to have for the first time ever um draft analyst and uh, expert from The Athletic, Corey Pronman. Corey, thank you for joining us today.
3: Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, so obviously we've referenced uh, your work quite a bit on the show. Um, Max Bultman has done quite a bit of work uh, and he uses your, uh, your draft analysis as a main point of reference. Uh, and so we, just, we wanted to talk uh, a lot about the philosophies that go into the, the draft analysis. So Brad's going to kick us off with a little bit of that. So the one thing that I've been super
2: interested in, I know in some of your work you've touched a bit on it, but what is your process when comparing players – of similar ranks from vastly different leagues. So if you look um, at a player like Vasily Podkolzin in Russia or Kako in Finland versus a guy like Dylan Cousins in the WHL playing against kids, what do you look for in those instances versus the other guy?
3: um let's use uh put coles in versus uh cousins as an example uh are they're, they're probably closer than you know cousins or put coles in versus kako um to do this so we'll, we'll start off the first thing i will do is you're watching these players not just all year i've watched uh put coles in uh, for a better part of two years and same thing with cousins cousins Actually entered the WHL uh, three seasons ago. He came in really late, uh, early. I mean, as a 15 year old into the playoffs, he played well there. Uh, so I mean, throughout that time, you are you're watching the attributes and uh, teams do this in different ways. Everyone has their own rating system. Uh, I, I use baseball's 2080 scale. I know teams that have one to ten scales, one to eight scales uh other variations one to five so on and so forth you're you're rating the attributes you know skating skill hockey sense compete level finishing ability uh physicality whatever attributes you that you find important characters in there too um whatever you think is important you would write you write that write that down and now you have kind of a like a a side-by-side of the attributes that you subjectively have rated, even though they're numbers, it's subjective because there's no scientific way to say what a six skating is, for example. But, you know, you watch 10,000 players, you can kind of get an idea of what this looks like, essentially. Um, And then you you do that, um, and then you start getting into, uh, you know, maybe more comparative analysis – you know, how did put Coles in or Cousins look uh, versus each other at the same events? So they've played at three events together. They played at the U-17 Challenge uh, two years ago. Uh, they played at the Hlinka Gretzky in the summer. And they played at the U-18 Worlds uh, a few weeks ago. So that's one part of it. You ask yourself uh, whose production is more impressive. You know, Cousins was a top-producing player in the Western Hockey League put Coles in, his is a hard one, he'd, be, he'd bounce around between pro and amateur, in the, the amateur, he was on a loaded junior team, didn't get a ton of ice time, but, uh, you know, you, you look at those attributes and those are kind of like more secondary, maybe, you know, uh, factors next to the scouting, uh, and you kind of just balance all that stuff out, and at the end of the day, there's no way to say this player is definitely better than this player. But if you have the subject, if you have the tool grades, and if you watch these guys for a long time, you compare how they've played at you know international events at major showcases. Events. If you look at their production, you put all and you you know you talk to coaches, scouts, executives about the players. If they like them, if they think there's any flags there, you could kind of put that all together and you um, can get an idea of who's better than who, or at least make a reasonable guess. And you basically got to do that about 500 times for every single player that could be eligible to be drafted. That's reasonably in the pro- process, and and that's how you get to the end of the draft ranking.
1: So uh, a question about the different traits that you measure. Um, I'm going to put you in the GM's shoes here. Um, let's say you have all the, uh, the objective measurements that uh, Corey Proman put out into the world and, and you have the different rankings. Are there any traits that you value uh, more highly than others because you think those are unteachable? And uh, conversely, are there any traits where you're a little bit more forgiving if players' score, uh, a little bit lower on because you think those are things that can develop uh, as they get more reps in the NHL or, or develop over time?
3: I think ten years ago there'd be a bigger gap. I think lately uh, that's not really as much the case. I think you know when you were drafting in the in the two thousands or easy, actually in even the two thousand and tens, you could have gotten value taking the small guys who were really fast or the small guys who were really skilled or or really smart. Um, nowadays, I find like I thought um, my draft ranking this year. Uh, is going to go fairly close to how the first round is actually going to go. Uh, I think I think the league has changed a lot, and you're 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 starting to see you know draft picks get smaller and smaller and sk- more skilled and quicker. I mean, you saw last year uh, Quinn Hughes, Adam Boakvist, uh Ty Smith, Ryan Merkley, all sub six o, some even sub you know five eleven defensemen going in the top 20 picks, that doesn't happen 10 years ago. And I think that's kind of an evolution of the league. I'd still say there's still some minor deviations, I'd say, on that front that I emphasize a little bit more. Um, And I maybe I still think character issues are important and degraded guy. I'm not willing to cross a guy off the list completely, though, if he has some sort of character flaw. Uh, But other than that, um, I don't think there's any – I don't think I'm grossly – uh, away from the league in any respect because cause I think the league does a fairly good job for such a subjective business, uh, which is scouting and player evaluation. For the most part, the best players tend to go in the top 10 picks.
1: So it's pretty much all but said at this point who Detroit's going to be selecting from. Uh, like you mentioned, the top five is likely going to go somewhere similar to how you had it ranked. Um, we don't envision, I don't think anyone else envisions, Turcotte or Byram slipping past three and four. Um, so instead of talking ad nauseum about what Detroit could do with the six overall pick, um, considering the need that the team has at center and defense, are there any guys that you think could slip and they should target in the uh, second round with their, their picks that they have there?
3: There's some defensemen they can get. I don't think there's any really high end center that's gonna be there in the second round. I think, you know, there's a lot of really good centers in the first round and I think they're gonna go there. Like I think I don't think Ryan Suzuki's getting in the second round. I don't think Philip Tomasino's getting to the second round. Uh, but I think, you know, if you look at that first round, uh the you know, the turns of the players there just uh quickly going through my list, I Probably should have left it open for this podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I, I say, see, one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven, eight. uh, Uh, I think there's nine really good potential top six centers in this draft. Um, that, but and and because of that, those guys are really valuable. Well, they're gonna go early, you know, second round, you might get Lassie Thompson, you might get Ryan Johnson, you might get. Uh, you know theres there's some other defensemen there. maybe Alex Vlasic gets there. Uh, maybe uh, Matthew Robertson is there. Tobias Bjornfoot is there. There will be defensemen to take with that with their early second round pick. Uh, that could be good NHL players, but I'm not sure I see that real impacts uh, center being there in the second round. So then just
2: one final question branching off of that, and since you mentioned defensemen specifically, so obviously as we get farther down in the draft in the second, third, fourth round, it's for the most part a crapshoot. Less than 50% of these players turn into regular NHLers. What are the specific things you're looking for on a long shot pick versus a a top 10 pick where you know most of the traits are there? Uh,
3: You're. you're right. You know, for the most part, once you get outside the second round, uh, you're probably drafting guys with a flaw. Uh, they're, they're they're talented, but not talented enough, and they're small, or they're they're big and it's skating, or the skills not doesn't stand out. You, I think at that point, you are trying to put as many pieces together as possible, even though there's going to be one piece missing. Um, saying this in a more concrete way. You know, you are trying to get as close to an NHL player as you can, knowing that you probably are not drafting a guy who projects at this current day to play in the NHL. But if he gets a little bit quicker or a little bit tougher or makes a few more offensive plays, he'll get there. So, you know, I'm, let me let me pull one off my list as an example. Uh, I'll take uh, you know Vladimir Firstoff, who was a point per game winger uh, in the USHL. He's really he's skilled, can score goals, really smart. He's an average skater though. And I think if you get Vladimir Firstoff to be an above, if he goes from average to above average, he's an NHL player. He's not there yet. Uh, you know um, Daniel Musial, he plays in the KHL uh he's not really an an elite point producer but there is some offense in his game he moves the puck well he skates well he's physical if he can be a little more consistent offensively the tools are there for it to translate so that's kind of what you are doing in those late rounds you have to know you're trying to get as much of an nhl player as possible and hope you can just kind of fit that one extra piece in there to to make that nhl player
1: okay cory we know you've given us uh, a lot of time here so thank you so much everyone uh cory Promin's draft guide as well as all the other fantastic work his uh, player spotlights that he's been putting out uh, are among the ultimate draft uh tools and resources uh for all of you keeners who who want to get dive into this before uh the big day or the big weekend in june uh cory thank you for uh, being on the show and we hope to have you back again thank you and welcome back uh, thank you, Corey, for coming on the show. Uh, we would love to do it again uh, in the future. Uh, pin him down for some more questions. Obviously, um, always great to hear from one of the best minds in terms of uh, you know, draft analysis that we can see. Uh, so much of that is hidden behind a veil. So talking to people like Corey is always fantastic. Brad, you're looking at me because I'm saying this before we've actually interviewed Corey. I was going to say, I'm like, how are you going to describe an interview that you don't know what happened yet? <laughs> oh, I mean <laughs> – I have an idea.
0: <laughs> we can <No>. always edit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the uh, – the, another time travel thing where we're going to be recording the interview after the episode. But for now, we're going to head over to Patreon where all of our uh, comment – or all of our overtime questions get read out. Sorry, let me try that again. We're going to head over to Overtime where our Patreon our patrons' comments get read out on air guaranteed as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show. Uh, and we are going to start here with um, – Casby, who says, I can't help but get the sense of inevitability when it comes to the Red Wings drafting Kirby Doc. Your feelings on the event are very clear, but does the fact that Steve Eisman would be making the pick change your mind at all, given his track record in drafting for the Lightning? I'll hang up and listen.
2: So I don't know what to make of this because I really have a hard time believing Steve Eisenman is going to be the driving force on this pick because he's had an entire scouting team who's been doing their due diligence all year without his guidance. So whatever directives the old regime gave the scouts might be different from what Eisman would do. So it's hard to say. Um, I mean, part of me wants to say, yeah, we got to scout. We got to trust Detroit scouts because they've done such a good job lately, but man, they've still had some massive whiffs. Like um, Helene St. James released a report on the 2017 draft for the Red Wings right now, which is just looking like an unmitigated disaster. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I, there's things to like about Kirby Doc's game. I don't think Kirby Doc's a bad player. I'm going to repeat this every damn episode until we draft him. (laughs) I don't think he's a bad player. I just think there are much
1: better options available at six. Um, Jeff Chen says, Hey guys, have you watched the Russian five yet? No, but it is available to me on iTunes. I thought it wouldn't be because we're in Canada, but it is. And I have clicked by and I'm going to be watching it after I get home. So I'm gonna put to watch that, that on that. my computer yeah. Uh Holy cow! What a great documentary! It made me relive my childhood. I highly recommend everyone immediately watch it if you're a Red Wings fan. On a side note, in case you're wondering, Don Cherry was ridiculous back then too. Yeah, yeah, you know, There's he was a shocker. He was worse back then. Has yeah. who who? Doesn't know that. <laughs> uh, Mark Burnham says, I'm a big fan of picking a goalie somewhere in the middle of each draft. Dub Dub patron Max Boltman highlighted Mad Sogard in a recent article about potential second round candidates for the Wings. Any thoughts on him or other goalies you'd like in the late second or third round? Uh, six foot seven goalie that put up north of what was it? A 920 save percentage
2: in the WHL? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm good with that. And it's funny because there's actually a very definitive research on the WHL. Any goalie who puts up a sub 910 just – never pans out almost 100% of the
1: time. <laughs> so Sogard's over that number, so we don't have to worry about that. I'm I'm already like horrified of the amount of draft content that we're putting out because like there's going to be so many audio clips of us like committing to a guy who just turns out to be an unmitigated disaster in the NHL. I'm trying really
2: hard not to because last year we zeroed in on a couple of guys towards the draft. And so if it went any other way, it really screwed it us up. It would
1: have screwed us, yeah.
2: And it, it did, but in a good way. So this year I'm trying to keep my options more open and not shoehorning myself into a few guys but at the same time my biases
1: in terms of what i've like in a player are becoming very obvious (laughs) well the thing is like we can do that for players but goalies are just a whole other plane of uncertainty so like it's already stretching ourselves by talking about this many draft prospects like you're talking about goalies i uh, the jury's out for me
2: i would not take a goalie in this draft before the fourth round realistically even though I like Sogard, kachakov all that, I'm not sure either those guys are going to slip out of the second round, let alone the third round. Detroit's not exactly thin at goaltending prospects right now. They've got at least three reasonable shots at a starting goalie in their system right now. One looks to be really promising. Um, so I would not spend, air quotations, a premium pick on a goalie right now. And to me, premium just means top 100. Um, so even the fourth round pick's stretching it, but... Either way, it's he's a six-foot-seven athletic goalie who put up a 920-something in the dub. Yeah, he if you're going to take a swing on a goalie in this draft outside of
1: Spencer Knight, he might be your best bet. Uh, Peter uh says, hey, boys, brand new Patron here. Hey, welcome, Peter. Thank you for joining us and thank you for your support. Uh, welcome to the dub dub. He says, my name has been murdered my entire life, but I think people uh, panic when they see the long last name with a ski at the end. Pronunciation is shahansky Okay, so shahansky not Plushanski. Sorry about that. Easy, right? But I digress. So I've heard you guys praise Moritz Sider a few times. He's pecked to go middle, late, first round in most drafts, but I'm hoping he falls to us in the second. How no would you? Chance. How would you feel if the Wings snagged him at 35?
2: Amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, not gonna happen. Like I said, he's a guy. He's one of those classic defensemen who rise late in the draft. There's, I, I would give it, I would give it a higher. Probability that one of Byram or Turcotte fall out of the top five, I then agree. he falls to thirty-five. Yes.
2: What higher probability? More Sider falling to thirty-five or Joe Valeno falling
1: to thirty. Because I would have said that one was crazy. Yeah, you know what? You're right. But even <laughs> then, those five... Like, passing that 31 threshold is a whole different beast. Yeah, that's true. It gives um, people overnight to think about it. And there's uh-huh. still going to be three teams picking before Detroit in the second on day two. Uh, Kaelin Wood says, Non-Hockey, a good one-two punch, back-to-back movie selection here. Annihilation followed by The Thing. Both movies are incredible and the former is clearly influenced by the latter. John Carpenter is the absolute man. I need to watch Annihilation. I still haven't. It's a trip
2: man yeah it's really good and they don't explain a lot of anything which is almost the appeal to it because at no point throughout the movie do you really have a firm grasp of why the things that are happening are happening and then it gets to the final scene and you're like all right here we go (laughs) and then you're more confused oh and then (laughs) okay i'll watch that right and then you finish after and you're like that was pretty good
1: (laughs) it's kind of like being friends with evan yeah uh, Ryan, your delivery of my last message was poor. So I want to make it clear that I was being sarcastic about no one covering the draft and who the Red Wings will pick. It's, I can't, honestly can't even remember the message, which probably means that you're totally right. And I did deliver it poorly. So I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. It's not like you use your voice and uh, have uh, only your voice to deliver tone and nuance sarcasm intended having said that i think i have finally landed on zegras assuming byram is not there there done i'm preparing for heartbreak xoxo Kalen.
2: well at least you know where you're at do what we're doing and try to not get married to one guy There, assuming byram and turcott are off the board at six i've got about three guys in my mind right now that i would be very happy if detroit picked so even though i definitely lean towards one of them i'm not
1: married to that pick right now uh brian benson uh, who's a new patron so welcome brian to the winged wheel podcast family he says hey guys new patreon member what do you think next year uh about next year when Tori krug is a free agent if he's there and from the michigan area and boston is also in a cap crunch do we target him will evan be a no show evan's here huh
2: <laughs> um i try to avoid the michigan narrative because i think it hurts the red wings more than it does
1: but uh throw all the money at tory krug uh, Rowan says, hello, dud dud hosts. What a time for sports right now. Musical note team and bear team basically going the distance. Dinosaur team close to winning the Sta- uh, the basketball Stanley Cup. Our Ash Barty winning the Women's French o- Open and the Cricket World Cup is on. Obviously, we need to talk about the cricket. Quick, Google it, Ryan. I had it pre-Googled, and I closed the tab, I just realized. Uh, with the revamped tournament, I have a feeling a team is going to miss out on a semifinal spot via net run rate numbers. Thoughts? Also, who is your pick to win? Yes. The v- the net run, yeah, it seems like a contrived, it all seems too contrived, but I still think Australia will pull it th- pull through despite all the controversy, controversy surrounding their team sure. in recent years. So, that's my sports take on that. Huh? Um... I assume you will have touched on the Skinner contract and how it could potentially be relevant to Mantha and Athanasia's next contracts. If not, proceed. If so, who is the most confusing prospect or prospects you've assessed this draft class? Confusing?
2: <laughs> Kirby Doc is the easy answer here because I'm not seeing... I, I've mentioned before, I just don't see what everybody else is seeing. Um, I've seen them as high as pick three in recent mock drafts, which is staggering to me. But to give an answer that you already didn't know confusing
1: i oh. think another easy answer is pod colson there is just so much that you have to fill in for him and you don't know if you're filling it in and hoping for the best or if this is legitimately stuff that you should be banking on and he will pan out as a player yeah pod Colson's is the right answer i think because we don't have a
2: 13 game sample, uh, anything bigger than a 13 game sample size with him for any one team uh
1: jersey time scored another really really rare one for myself pretty recently pretty happy about that uh jersey matchups continue Vancouver spaghetti skate jersey versus New Jersey Devils throwback red, green, and white jersey. I will fight for that red, green, and white New Jersey Devils jersey until the day I die. I love that thing. I have a spaghetti skate upstairs. Oh, yeah, you do. I forgot about that. Pavel Bure, autographed. Evan, you're the tiebreaker.
0: Uh, I'll go with you, Ryan. Thank you, man. It's
1: a bad take. P.S. I'm geo blocked from the Russian 5 film and distraught about it. Please send me 43 helps to ease my pain. Just FaceTime me. We'll watch it together. Um, Garrett TV says Ryan Brad and Max I recommend you try to get Evan Lobsinger on the show as a future guest he's a KW amateur golfer known for incredibly witty repartee and awkward pauses could be a huge hit We'll uh, we'll think about it. Uh, Question-wise, if the Blues close out on Sunday, who wins the Conn Smythe? Rask has had a solid playoff, but his numbers pale in comparison to J.S. Jaguar in 03. And for that matter, Brodur from the same season. They're also worse than his numbers in 2013 when they lost to the Hawks and well behind Quick's uh, 2012 numbers when the Kings won it all i just don't see him winning it unless he has a 100 unless he 100 carries the bruins to a winning seven but it doesn't seem like there's a clear cut standout if the blues close it in six ciao furkers let's go red wings so as of
2: game three i would have said it's a toss-up between binnington petrangelo and tarasenko uh i'd be leaning uh, binnington
1: maybe tarasenko at this point but can't discount Ryan O'Reilly after the last few games he's had. So Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko both have had little spurts where they've gone missing when they've needed to be there. But then again, you uh, could Tarasenko probably say this. You think. you can probably say the same about Bennington. Um, I would lean towards Tarasenko. I think that's a little bit more of a legacy pick for me. I, I'm not excluding my bias here. I've always loved Tarasenko as a player. Um, I think he's really, really underrated across the league as like a you know borderline superstar player people don't realize the amount of raw talent that this guy has um, and he's been sh- like he has uh, he's like top three in goals scored over the past however many playoffs he's, he's he's absolutely insane has scored huge goals for the Blues these playoffs and i think if he's instrumental in these last game or two games in a potential blues win he's the guy who i would like to see awarded the Smythe. if betting if binnington pitches a shutout in game six and you guys will probably know by the time you listen to this it'll go to him, right? So I, my vote would be Tarasenko Bennington second. Uh, Matthew Tang's says, Hey guys, hope Evan is still alive and that I submitted this comment before you recorded. Correct. I wanted to submit an idea for an episode this summer looking at prospects that have been drafted in the last few years and whether their outlook has improved or regressed or other interesting info on them. Yeah. Maybe one of our Patreon exclusives will be an assessment on pretty much every Red Wings prospect since 2015 and, and where gonna they're be, at. It's going to be bleak. Yeah. Um, also, what's your take on the Wings helping the Ducks rid themselves of Perry? And what would you want in return for taking on his contract?
2: Uh, it would have to be a hefty return because that's a lot of money and it's multiple years. Um, 29th overall this year would
1: probably be what I'd be looking at as like a realistic yet still good return. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Fournier says, Hey fellas. So I've been Joseph all my life, but I'll never get mad at anyone calling me Joe. At my last job in Kansas city, I worked with a Joe B Joey, Zoe, and a Jose or two. So I never got to be the Joseph. You and Bradeth can call me either one, but never Joey. These Stanley cup playoffs will go, go down as one of the worst officiated, but call me crazy. I think the refs made the right call by not whistling Bozak on the, uh, Akiari trip. The other Bruin in the play behind Bozak pushed his stick into Bozak's stick and the right uh, and right into the back of Akiari's knees, who had who just got nominated for an Oscar for the absolute swan dive he took. I think he got his leg like there was a slew foot in there too. I don't think he. Yeah, dove. that was that was that was. There's no debate there. That was a trip. That uh, uh, was very much a trip. Did you? uh I've been watching the play over and over, and i got to agree with the refs. Did you see Mike Rupp's rant after the game? He dragged the Bruins for getting away with these type of calls for years. Also, that gif of Cam Neely chucking his water bottle into the suite will be memorialized in time. I didn't see the rant, but I love that gif. That yep. is amazing. I want that on my tombstone. Uh, still pulling from a Byram or Zegers, as well as a Carlson in Free Agency. Any Carlson, at random. Literally, open a phone book and pick one. Hashtag Milker. Uh, as always, great work filling in for Evan. Have fun and come back out to New York City soon. Stay fresh cheesebags. Uh, K-Waz says, what is up, my dudes? I spent a week in Key West a few weeks ago, uh, and let me tell you, it's a riot. It's a wild place. I even ran into some rando that was from Kitchener. I went out on a charter fishing boat and reeled in a, a near-port record bonito, like a tuna. Uh, slithering back to hockey, could it actually happen? The Blues got super lucky in Game 5, and you know the Bruins are going to come out flying around. I think getting the first goal will be really important for the Blues. However, I'd argue that it's going to be more important to not go down by more than one. Who's going to get the game winner tonight? My guess is Schwartz. I'm going to be the jerk that says Brad Marchand is going to score the game winner. Oh, gross. Don't. Yeah. I'm going to say Ryan O'Reilly. Evan, pick a player. Three seconds.
0: Uh, Jay Bowmister.
1: <laughs> judging that one comes true. John Evans says, greetings from Ohio. Hope both hosts have recovered from the knife fight you decide to have. I'm sitting here with the great dog Dylan Barkin and wondering, would it be crazy for the Red Wings to draft Spencer Knight? Yes. Yes. At six? Yes. Yes. Seems like he won't be available by the... Oh, he means in the second round. Seems like he won't be available by the time the Wings pick again, and the last time I remember a goalie going this high in the draft was Carey Price, and he seems pretty good to, uh, sometimes. Also, I'm sure someone has already mentioned, but the Russian Five was amazing. If you guys haven't seen it, maybe you record a reaction to it as a Patreon exclusive. Um, we might even have them on the pod. Not the Russian Five, but like the people who made the movie. I'd be down to get the Russian Five on the pod. I'd be down too. Um Spencer Knight at six would be an egregious pick. And if Spencer Knight's available at 35 and we don't pick him, that's an egregious miss. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Chris Cannell says, hey, boys, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and I want to get your guys' opinion on the subject. Do you think of a prospect playing in high school hockey differently than one playing in, say, Major Junior or in the USHL or NTDP? For example, John uh, Farinacci is a highly ranked player in this draft and he plays high school hockey. Do you think he's someone we should take a look at with one of our second rounders? Obviously, you take BPA no matter what, but just want to know if that would factor factor into the decision.
2: Man, it's funny you mentioned that because I am high on Farinacci, but that was more so based on my viewings of him at the Holinka-Gretzky Cup um, last summer versus high school hockey because it's tough.
1: Yeah, it's <sighs> – hockey, it's not like basketball. Like The level of play that you're playing against is – pretty indicative or like is pretty important in terms of getting a good indication of who you are as a player so there's a lot more uncertainty there yeah because everything's relative
2: you put me in a c division men's league and i look like wayne gretzky you put me up against some echl guys and i look like i don't know how to play hockey
1: yeah. <laughs> um sometime uh time for like one or two reddit questions we're running a little bit past here because we do have to get on the phone for a time travel interview with Corey. uh i'll i'll risk on Reddit says, Woo, been listening to you guys for about a year now. Love the podcast. I feel more attached to the wings than hockey in general due to you guys. Thank you. That support means the world to us. Uh, gotta say, I'm pretty happy we won't be going for Carlson. He's a great player, but we'll be overpaid starting at the beginning of our recovery time. Who says we won't? Uh, Eisenman, in that interview, pretty much said. He, he said me, we're not going to build free agency. It doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean he said we won't use free agency. An eight-year, $10 million, or seven-year, $10 million-plus contract is probably outside the realm of what he was going to prove. Let me have this, Ryan. Um, do, 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 do one more, very, very quick question. Uh, White Lightning 91 says, Happy Lake Season, boys. In honor of Father's Day next week, what's your most embarrassing moment in public with your old man, whether it was something you did or he did? Okay, my dad, and this happened on multiple occasions.
2: So my dad would take me and my sister to Kitchener Rangers games all the time uh, when we were younger. And anytime there was a fight, If that fight was anything less than an absolute barn burner, he'd jump up and yell, come on, I hit my kids harder than that.
1: And then oh, everybody God. would look at us. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> uh, and with that, we are actually rushed to end right now. So I'm going to thank everyone for listening. All of our Patreon supporters, uh, our name level sponsors, Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabier, Matthew M. Rice, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Allant, Ryan Lewis, Henley. Thank you all so much. I'm out of breath. We will see you guys in the middle of the week.
3: Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow
0: the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna, WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.